This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, I'm Antoine Ray, and I will be your host today for this Global Ambition podcast episode. My guest today is Karen Coombe, who is recently retired as a VP of localization at PTC, and she is now running Coombe Consulting. Today, the topic we'll be talking about is globalization strategy on the client side. Karen, welcome to the program. Thank you, Antoine. I'm happy to be here. Great. Do you want to maybe start by talking to us about your experience, and I presume this will be coming from your experience at uh, PTC, but uh, about how do you advise localization managers and directors that are listening to this podcast on how they can transition from being a language support group to becoming a strategic function for the organization? Well, one thing I could talk about sort of leading up to that is my experience on the vendor side and how I had to essentially relearn localization when I went to the buyer side. So I worked for 10 years uh, on the vendor side for ILE in Boulder, Colorado. Very small company when I started, I was the 12th employee. I did a lot of different jobs over those 10 years, including managing production. I was the general manager. I was a senior vice president of sales and marketing, a lot of different jobs. And I was pretty sure that I knew all about localization by the time I left there. In fact, I was the person that often went to see prospects, you know, perhaps as part of a group and talked to some fairly senior people at those prospects about how to frame their processes to best enable localization. So clearly I felt competent to tell people how to organize their localization on the buyer side. And then when I actually got recruited and went to PTC, I found that I had to really relearn how to make localization work. And that's partly because suddenly localization was not the most important thing that was going on in the company. Big shock. So there was a transition from a a complete focus on localization to just being in large part a little cog in the wheel Mm -hmm. and and not necessarily viewed as a very important cog. Mm -hmm. So I inherited a team that was essentially a translation group. So we had a lot of translators like A lot of companies did in the 90s when PTC wanted to establish their global markets, they understood they needed to translate. And so they hired a bunch of translators. So I had five Germans, five Japanese translators. Those were the biggest markets. And this was strange to me that anybody would would actually have translators in-house rather than asking a vendor to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I did come to understand that there was great value in having people in-house who understood the products and could translate them, but there was no engineering capacity. The project management capacity was, was very low. There was no testing of the products being done. So there was a, a big transition to make to, to reframe the organization. And more importantly, to go back to your original question, Mm -hmm. to learn how to function effectively in that environment. And this is then trying to move away from being just a language support group that your internal stakeholders throw over some piece of content for translation. 
to becoming what I would classify as a revenue enabler for the organization. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not always easy to make that connection directly, but for sure, the first thing you need is access to the information about revenue. Right. And for example, at PTC, we didn't sell products by language. If you bought the products, you bought all languages. Mm -hmm. And so trying to determine what revenue belonged to which language was something that took a while to figure out and required collaboration with people in finance and sort of experts on their data mining capability to, to figure out how to attribute those revenues. And then establishing a fairly robust process to look at revenues versus costs per language. And which costs do you look at? Do you look at just localization costs? But what about marketing? What about the other functions that have to go along with a, a localized mm -hmm. product, such as tech support? What about training? You know, a lot of different groups are involved. So gradually, I think really treating localization in a similar way that executives treat the rest of the company. In other words, by looking at localization as a business and what contribution that business was making to the company. So very carefully looking at the value that localization brought to the company as a business, as, as a revenue generator, and not as a cost center. So this was a, a fairly long process to gradually build confidence in the organization, in what we were doing in localization, as well as trying to optimize our operation so that we consistently had very high quality localized products and didn't have any quality issues coming back from customers. And that, you know, that took a few years. Yeah. And something that resonates with me that you just mentioned there, you had to get close to finance, you know, not only I'm sure for funding the operational side of localization at PTC, but also I presume when you're moving from that just operational to strategic uh, position into your organization, you need to be able to produce the data, the numbers that are going to justify your course of action. And, um, one person that's going to be important in your sphere of influence, and I, I think I've, I've said that to a lot of our clients, is finance there. But that's not the only person. So did you have to build that sphere of influence at the executive level and that global mindset from a, a company perspective to get to what you wanted to be treated as a revenue enabler for the company? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that confidence is built over time. I was very fortunate that I, uh, at that PTC, even when I got there, over 50% of the revenues of the company were generated from non-English speaking countries. And so that was something that I was very happy to be able to point out to anybody mm -hmm. at, yeah. at any time. And so that was sort of, you know, the first step on the way. But you had to look for opportunities to present information to people. And first of all, of course, to your management, but also to people further up the chain. And I was very fortunate that since I was at PTC for quite a while, some of the people who started out as, say, leading product management for one product 
eventually were promoted. And in fact, one of those people is now the CEO. So I knew people over a very long period of time and had the opportunity to interact with them at different levels along the way and gain their trust. So they knew that we actually knew what we were talking about. But being able to present data and being able to present the business case for localization was very important. One of the big steps that we took was to get the strategy group, because there eventually was a strategy group as part of the executive function in the company, to get them on board with the idea of looking at penetrating markets, not so much by geos, which is the way a lot of companies tend to think of markets. For example, Southern Europe is a geo, Mm -hmm. instead of being a language center for French, Italian, Spanish, whatever to get them to think about languages and to be able to contribute data to them about revenues per language, because we looked at that. We found that data and looked at it and, and compared that to cost. So being able to get their organization used to the idea of thinking about languages was a big important step. They started to think of us as a resource for data to support whatever strategies that they were thinking about for example. And sometimes this was not a lot more than, you know, being able to contribute costs, but thinking about costs, again, across the organization, which they tended not to do, for support of a new market or a new language. And so, for example, at one point, uh, unfortunately, in late 2008, the company decided to go sort of full on into Russia, Mm -hmm. because at that time, oil was $150 a barrel. And prospects were very good. So there was a a big cross-functional team led by one of the executives with many work streams about what needed to be done to set up full operations in Russia. And and we were part of that. So we were considered to be uh, a critical part of that. And that that was sort of an important recognition. That's like a massive recognition, I would say. You, you might not be driving the strategic decision, but you're at the table of the conversations that are happening and bringing input as to how and why that should be done for a given market. And that go-to-market strategy yes. becomes quite important in that case. The last thing I wanted to talk on this podcast today uh, with you, Karen, and thanks for your input on that, is around the globalization strategy uh, playbook that you recently uh, contributed to with a number of esteemed uh, colleagues from the industry. I think there were 12 of you uh, on this, and I know that's publicly available on GitHub, if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk to us for a few minutes about that? Well, yes. I, You know, I can no longer remember exactly how it started, but I think, yes, I do remember how it started. It was an offshoot of another group that was a subset of the Guild Leaders Forum, which is a bunch mm-hmm. of leaders of localization in various companies around the world, mostly IT companies, people who have met and interacted at conferences in various places over the years, who currently meet every other week for an hour and just talk about, on the buyer side only, how best to manage localization and sharing information about how best to do that. We never share information about vendor costs or anything like that. We just talk about how to meet the kind of challenge that I had to meet, moving into the buyer side and trying to be effective there. And so there was a subset of that group that worked on metrics and what metrics we could compare and benchmark ourselves against. 
and gathering those metrics. And gradually that built up over time to having more and more companies participate and get to be more statistically valid. That information, of course, is not public at all. But as an offshoot of that, and I think it was Lena Solomon who, mm-hmm. who started mm-hmm. talking about, well, what do we need to think about strategy and how to manage localization from a strategic point of view, something that we were all kind of doing and trying to do, but had not articulated the best practices for. And so, again, I I don't know who exactly decided we should write a book. It started with a meeting. Somebody went to a meeting and said, well, we should write this down. This would be really good. And so when I first got involved, I in fact thought I was just going to go participate in a meeting to discuss this. And then I got assigned a chapter and uh, actually wrote a little part of the book myself, as did we all, all 12 of us wrote parts of it. And by some miracle, through volunteer editing, got it to sound more or less like it was written, you know, not collectively and readable. And and now it's published and uh, it's free to anybody in the world who wants to go and look at it. And of course, we're interested in getting feedback on it. And we hope that it will help other people who are starting or in the journey that that a lot of us have made to uh, make it easier for them. Okay, so this is very much addressed to all the localization managers, localization directors and VPs out there that are working in a corporate environment and want to make a difference from a strategic perspective in their own organization, so that their organization looks at localization as a revenue function. Well, also, you know, it's it's something that could be useful to people on the vendor side okay. to understand better what it is that we have to try to do on our right. side and how we're trying to do that and perhaps providing a better level of support. I mean, not everybody has a big department. I had a big department. I had a lot of people working on all phases. I had QA. I even had a few translators, project managers, and I had uh, an engineering function. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has that. A lot of people start or even go along with very heavy reliance on their vendors. And so a lot of the kind of information or technology that they need comes from the vendor side from their LSPs. And mm-hmm. so their LSPs have an opportunity to be enormously helpful, particularly since their vendors deal with many different companies and they should be able to transfer the knowledge, not any proprietary right. knowledge, but the general knowledge that they gain from their customers to their to their other customers to help them to be able to do things better. So I think it's, it's a book that can benefit everybody. I've looked at some of the chapters already myself, and we'll make sure to put the link where people can access it on our globalambitions.net. That would be great. Karen, I'd like to thank you for your participation. It was very enjoyable to prepare for this and have a conversation with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Antoine. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.